lion and the Egyptian, and we'll explain that. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 22, Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, the son of a valiant man of Kebelzel, who had done many acts, he slew two lion-like men of Moab. Also, he went down and slew a lion in a pit in a snowy day. And he slew an Egyptian, a man of great stature, five cubits high, and in the Egyptian's hand was a spear like a weaver's beam. And he went down to him with a staff and plucked the spear out of the Egyptian's hand and slew him with his own spear. These things did Benaiah, the son of Jehoda, and had the name among the three mighties. Behold... He was honorable among the thirty, but attained not to the first three, and David set him over his guard. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, move in this house this evening. God, we welcome your spirit, God, to do whatever your spirit wants to do. God, you are faithful in all things. You are mighty. You are holy. There is none greater than you. Pray, God, that you would speak to us, that you would prick our hearts, God, that you would put things into us, God, your wisdom, your knowledge, your understanding. We thank you for your spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. I think tonight that there are some valuable lessons that we can draw out of these few verses um, that chronicle the exploits of a man named Benaniah, son of Jehoiada. Um, before we get into what these spiritual lessons are, um, we need to look at the, some of these passages to get, we want to paint kind of a broad picture of what is happening at this time that we read in uh, 1 Chronicles chapter 11. Uh, 1 Chronicles chapter 10 uh, I'm not going to read it, but tells us that Saul, the king of Israel, had committed suicide. First Chronicles 11 begins to detail how the people of Israel came to David at a place called Hebron. And at Hebron, the elders of Israel anointed David to be king, just as the prophet Samuel had declared some time before. Uh, David, after being anointed king, he marched Israel to Jerusalem, which at that time was under the control of the Jebusites. And they told David that he would never conquer, but they were wrong, and David took the city. In 1 Chronicles chapter 11, verse 11, it says, And this is the number of the mighty men whom David had, Jasobim, a Hakmonite, and I'm butchering some of these names and titles, the chief of the captains, he lifted up his spear against 300 slain by him at one time. And after him was Eleazar, the son of Dodo, the Ahohite, who was one of the three mighties. He's with David at Pasdemon, and there the Philistines were gathered together to battle, and there was a parcel of ground full of barley, and the people fled from before the Philistines, and they set themselves in the midst of that parcel and delivered it and slew the Philistines, and the Lord saved them by a great deliverance. If you 
uh, read in there, it identifies that these three are mentioned, well, two of them. The first one being Jasobim, the chief officers, said they killed 300 men in one battle, and Eleazar uh, battled with David in the middle of this barley field and defeated the Philistines. And then we read of a third one in 2 Samuel 23, Abishai, uh, he was considered the chief among these three mighty men, and he killed 300 men with his spear. These were the men that were helping David to bring Israel back in order after having been ruled by Saul who had taken the people away from God um, and now we go, come to our reading this evening 1 Chronicles 11.22 uh, where we meet a man by the name of Benaniah and he was one of the 30 mighty men who were working under the leadership of the three and the Bible said, Behold, he was honorable among the thirty. Scripture tells us that Benaniah was a valiant man, a valiant fighter. And then it tells of the great victories he had. The Bible said he killed two of Moab's best men, lion-like men. At uh, one point it said he went down into a pit on a snowy day and killed a lion. And then it goes on to talk about how he killed an Egyptian who was seven and a half feet tall and his spear was the size of a telephone pole a weaver's beam and all Benaniah had was a stick to fight with and he defeated this Egyptian giant by stealing away his spear and using it against the Egyptian now that's some pretty awesome stuff accomplished in battle it's not a wonder that it said he had the name among the three mighties. Um, because of these great exploits, Benaniah was made chief of David's bodyguards. Um, enemies challenged Benaniah, but these challenges gave him the opportunity to have victories. So that's what we're going to look at tonight. And we have about 20 minutes. I'm going to do my best to stay within that. We're going to look at the enemies and the victories. The first one that the scripture reference is these two lion-like men of Moab. Uh, Moab is like flesh. And if you remember right in the Old Testament, in uh, Genesis, you read a story about a man by the name of Lot. And Lot was the nephew of Abraham, and he had made a choice to live in Sodom and Gomorrah, and God sent destruction to Sodom and Gomorrah uh, because of its perverse way, and Lot and his family were given opportunity to flee from the city. But on the way out, we read in Scripture that the wife looked back, Lot's wife, and she became a pillar of salt, and eventually... Lot and his two daughters escaped to a refuge in a cave. And while in the cave, the two daughters came to the conclusion that they would never have children because they would always be on the run. And you read in Scripture, they got their father drunk. They had sex with him, and his daughters fell pregnant. 
And one of the daughters had a son that they named Ammon, and the other daughter had a son named Moab. And throughout the rest of the Old Testament, the Ammonites and the Moabites were some of the fiercest enemies of the nation of Israel. The Moabites were viewed as people who only cared about self, about pleasing self. That's why Moab is a symbol of the flesh. All of us have this enemy, the flesh. We can't escape our flesh and its desires without help from God. Every day when we wake up, we must realize that within each and every one of us is the ability to do some of the most terrible and nasty things in this world. We have that capability. Jeremiah tells us that we cannot trust our flesh or heart. Jeremiah 79, the heart is a deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Jesus told us that our flesh is weak. Peter said our flesh is lustful. Paul tells us that we have to die daily to our fleshly nature. Mark 7, 21, and he said that that which cometh out of the man, that defileth the man. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceedeth evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, and evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile the man. So the heart is capable of some unbelievable evils. You just read the news today or any day, and you will see some of the mind-blowing evils that man is capable of so we have an enemy and that enemy is you and that enemy is I if our own flesh is our enemy we can't escape this flesh this side of heaven then what hope do we have notice Benaniah killed the Bible said he struck down two of Moab's best men. There is hope at overcoming the enemy of the flesh. We can't escape it. We can't run from it. We're, we're in this fleshy body. But the key is we must strike it down. Romans chapter 8 says there is therefore... Now, no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. And I'm not going to read all this, but he says, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. Verse 12 Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, 
to live after the flesh. For if we live after the flesh, we shall die. But if we, through the Spirit, do mortify the deeds of the body, we shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Verse 16, the Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. So how do we live by the Spirit? How is that possible in this fleshy body? We have the Holy Ghost. We've been baptized in Jesus' name. It's by consecrating all things to the Spirit. Philippians 4, 6 says, Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God that passes all understanding shall keep your hearts. thing it's deceitful above all things. He's going to keep your hearts. What's it mean to keep? He's going to, he's going to guard it. He's, put, he's going to put a lock on it and not allow it to be deceitful. And minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. So how do I keep this flesh at bay? I consecrate all things to God through prayer, through supplication, my thanksgiving, my request be made known unto God. I don't try to reach for it myself. I trust God, and I think on these things, true, honest, just, pure, lovely, good report, virtue, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise. Think on these things. Just because you're born again, you have the obligation, you have no, I'm sorry, you're born again, so you have no obligation to the flesh. Your obligation, we do have an obligation to the things of God and satisfying the things of God. We have not received a spirit that makes us a slave to the flesh, but we're adopted as sons and daughters of God. We can overcome the flesh. We can be victorious when we submit our body to the control of the spirit. And that's not just this outside. I've got to submit this heart, this deceitful thing, for him to lock up the deceitfulness. And so I am not led by my heart or led by my fleshy mind, but I'm led by the Spirit. That means Jesus decides where you go. Jesus decides how I dress and how I talk. And more and more and more, what I do in my life. Because when we're born again, we're God's property. No, you're not, that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost. The second enemy, and I'm hurrying, the lion or the devil. The second enemy that came against Benaniah was a lion. 
Bible says that Benaniah went after the lion. Scripture says he also went down into a pit on a snowy day and he killed a lion. Now, I want you to think about that sentence. He didn't wait for the lion to come up out of the pit where he would have plenty of room to fight or to run. Rather, he went into the pit where he was closed in with the lion, and the Bible said he killed it. I don't know about you, <laughs> but killing a lion with my bare hands or with a knife definitely cannot be an easy task, especially in a snowy pit. Yet, this man by the name of Benaniah killed the lion. So who is the enemy, the lion, the devil? Uh, Peter says, 1 Peter 5, 8, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, he's your adversary. He's not your friend. He's not your buddy. He is not your pal. He is your enemy, your adversary. He is at war against you. He is competing against everything that God has put within you. The devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. The lion, the devil, he's looking for someone to devour. Told Peter, he desires to sift you as wheat. The devil would like nothing better than to take you to hell with him. He don't want to go there by himself. He knows he's gone, so he's going to try to take as many as he can with him. And he'll do the best to trip you up and to devour you. He'll do everything he can to get you to forsake God and to keep you from serving him. That's why narrow is the way, and few that find it, few that find it so how do we overcome the devil the second enemy Peter tells us in the very first part of 1st Peter and 5 8 that we just read be sober be vigilant he said be of self-control be Alert. Sober means to be self-control. It means that we live our lives that are disciplined. It's like a soldier who prepares himself for battle by being fit. We prepare our lives through prayer, through Bible study, through being here for the preaching of the word, by being uh, everything possible we can be a part of and surrounded with right influence through fasting and so on. And he said, be vigilant. I got to be alert. That means I got to stay awake. I can't fall asleep in the midst of this battle because the adversary is not going to fall asleep. It means that I learn from my mistakes so I don't make them again. I had a senior chief in the Navy and when he made a mistake, he said, take it on board and carry on smartly. Learn from your mistake. Don't do it again. So we can't afford to be asleep in the spirit. We must be on alert. 
We must be on guard, and we got to be aware of what the devil is up to in this world so that he will not trip us up or outwit us. And the devil can overcome if we're living a life of self-control and if we're alert. Romans 8 and 36 says, As it is written, For thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Paul was saying, Oh, we're killed all day long. And we're counted sheep for slaughter. And he goes, No, in all things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. We're children of God. We're heirs of the kingdom. Through Christ, he loved us. He forgave us. He promised us salvation. Through Christ, we are victorious. We're filled with joy. We're filled with peace. Amen? The third enemy, the Egyptian it's a world system. So we have the flesh, and we have the devil, and we have the world system. The third enemy that Benaiah faced was an Egyptian who was over seven and a half feet tall, carrying a spear the size of a telephone pole, a weaver's beam. Now, it was big. Telephone pole. We are not told why he faced the Egyptian. Only that Benaniah snatched away the man's spear and killed him. It doesn't tell us why he did it. <laughs> it just says that he took his spear and he killed him. Throughout Scripture, we see Egypt as a symbol of worldly systems. And it's time Egypt had the greatest cities in the world. It was known for its architecture, its armies, its power. They trusted in their own abilities, and they worshiped false gods. And we face a real enemy today called the world. Now, I want you to understand what I mean when I say the world. I'm not talking about the people. I'm talking about the systems of the world that reject or forget about God. We live in a time where there is less and less thought about God. It is mind-blowing to see how far we have gone in as little as 20 years. Even President Joseph Robinette Biden, weird name, has already been talking about how we need to be rational in our thinking and that we need to depend upon science to help us make advancements in the world, and you need to trust science. No, I need to trust God. 
It's a call to depend on what man can do, not what God can do through man. The Bible says in 1 John 2.15, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. John, this is what John means when he says, do not love the world. The word world comes, comes from the Greek word cosmos, which in this particular verse means the systems of the world. Also the adornments and the fashions of the world. In other words, as Christians, we know this, we don't fashion ourselves or mold our lives around the examples of the world. We don't do what the world does. Our ladies wear the things they're supposed to wear in modesty. We don't wear makeup, even though the world says you're ugly if you don't. The world system tells us to worship movie stars and singers and athletes who have taken their talents and their abilities and used them to glorify themselves and the devil instead of glorifying God. The world system tells us to conform to what everyone else is doing. But this is what God's system says. Romans 12.1 I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world. Don't be like it. Don't measure up to it. Don't be similar in form or type. That's the meaning of this word conform to this world. But be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Defeating the enemy of the world is best done by not giving in to what the world wants you to be giving into. But the best way to be victorious over the world is to be giving in to what God wants from you, not what the world is trying to hammer down your throat. Surrendering to your spirit, your soul, your body is the will of God. I have to surrender to him, my spirit. I have to surrender my soul and my body. Yeah, I have to live in this flesh, but I'm going to crucify this flesh. Doing his will empowers me to grow in maturity that when the challenges and temptations and trials of life come against me, that I've already been transformed. So I'm just going to let it roll off my back like water on a duck. I am victorious over the enemy of the flesh. I am victorious over the devil. I am victorious over this world system because I am empowered through the Holy Ghost to be a mature man or woman of God and I'm able to be victorious over all things. Let's stand. We did it. Eight o'clock. <laughs> oh, I could have went on for more. <laughs> Let's pray.
God, we thank you for what you have done in us. God, we want to continue to be strong men and women of God for you, God. God, we want you to use us. We want you to flow through us, God. We want you to lead our steps, direct our thoughts, God. Be a lamp under our feet, a light under our path, God. Give us the words to speak to the few. Give us the words to speak to the few to find it. God, we thank you, God. We want to do whatever it takes, God. Put us in the path of the hungry. Put us in the path of the hopeless. Put us in the path of those that want more joy and your love. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's clap our hands to him. Amen. Well, you can catch Peak on Holy Ghost Radio. Um, probably starting right now.